things that normally would not bother me, uh, things that I would normally let just roll off my back like water off of a dumb's back, just get under my skin. And that just really bothers me. And I've noticed it happening more the last few months. And anyway, that's me. That's me talking. That's just kind of the micro level, right? But I also noticed it at the macro level because it just seems like everybody is super offended right now. Is it just me? I mean, you can like type amen in the, in the comment line and you're doing Facebook Live. But it just, like, everybody's offended about something. It's, people get offended if you ask them to wear a mask. And then people get offended if you, if they don't have a mask on, or if somebody doesn't have a mask on. Or people get offended about just practically anything. I'll just give you an example. I'll, I'll be reading a, a news story on, on some news outlet, and the report will be something, I don't know, uh, a report of a ruling that some court gave. Someone got convicted, someone got arrested, someone got acquitted, or whatever it happened to be that day, right? And then there's literally thousands of comments in the comment lines. And every single one of them seems like he's offended. They're offended that this happened, or they're offended that the person who was offended that that happened. And on and on and on it goes for thousands and thousands. And it just seems like people are this close to the edge of being super offended and just any little thing pushes them over the edge. And when they comment on things like social media, it's just like all of the ugliness of our generation is exposed. And that's why I have made myself stop reading comment threads. Because the ugliness, the ugliness just steals my peace away. So um, I get super offended, hyper offended. Another thing is when I have a trashy attitude, I get hypercritical. I mean, I really do. When I have a trashy attitude, I can find something wrong with practically everything. I mean, and I can give criticism with the best of them. You know, like if I was holding up those comment cards like they used to do in the Olympics, from 1 to 10, or like they do with Dancing on the Stars, you know, I can give my criticism with the best of them. I can be as sarcastic as the best of them. I can, I can really, like, cut in deep with that criticism. That's why I really try to never comment on something that makes me have an angry reaction. I try to never comment on something that just makes me offended because, because I have learned that I can't trust my mouth when my heart is not where it needs to be. Um, so I just try to not. I try to not. I try to not say what's the first thing that wants to pop out of my mouth or, or type it in. So now, I'm not talking about constructive criticism, because that's good, right? That's necessary. That's helpful. I'm talking about being aggressively judgmental in a way that is not meant to help, but is meant to hurt. And that's just me. That's what I'm seeing in me more lately. 
is that attitude. Again, I see it at the larger level too when you practically watch anything. You practically watch anything involving politics or religion or social issues. It doesn't matter if you lean to the left or if you lean to the right. It seems like all of a sudden the gloves are off and civility in this generation is out the window. So the third thing is when I have a trashy attitude, I just become hyper-contrary. Now, I grew up in the country, and so contrary is a word that my parents would use to describe me, and it may not be all of that familiar with you if you didn't grow up in the South, uh, but contrary just means you're just in a mood. I mean, you ever just be in a mood? Uh, when I give you an example of how it happens, like when I was a kid, and I would be in a mood, I have my pouty face on, you know. And usually it would be in the summertime when school was out, and I would just be like sitting there, and my mom would say something like, "What's wrong?" And I would say, "Nothing." And she would say, "Now I know something's wrong. What's wrong?" And I say, "I don't know. I'm just bored." And she would just start making suggestions. She'd say, "Well, why don't you just play? Why don't you go play with that new game that you got last week?" And I would say, "I don't want to." And she would say, "Well, why don't you? Um, I don't know. Why don't you get on your bike and ride over to Stephens and see what he's doing?" I don't. Know. I did that yesterday. I don't. Want to. Well. You want to help me with dinner? No, I wouldn't. And this time my attitude is kind of getting up a little, does get a little bit sassy. And so my mother would say something like this. So since you're being so contrary today, um, why don't you just go and clean up your room? And then once you get done with that, you can go outside and cut the grass. And after that, if you're still bored, then come and let me know and I'll give you something else to do. That was the cure that my mom and dad had for boredom, by the way, back in the day. But contrary. Contrary just means you're not satisfied. Nothing satisfies you. You're basically just ornery and impossible to please. Just an old, trashy attitude. Now that's nothing new. It's not new uh, just with me. It's not you even just with this generation with what's going on right now is the perfect description of what was going on in the crowds that Jesus was talking to in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, to what shall I compare this generation? He just rhetorically speaking. He said, we played the flute for you and, and you didn't want to dance. We wailed and you didn't want to mourn. In other words, you guys are hyper-contrary. Nothing pleases you. Nothing satisfies you. And then Jesus said, John, talking about John the Baptist, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he's got a demon. You remember John the Baptist? He, he lived by himself out in the wilderness, surviving on locusts and wild honey, and he was wearing camel hides and a leather belt, and he came into town. I always pictured him as having like long like dreadlocks or something, and coming into town and with 
kind of wild eyes and bold preaching style saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And everybody looked at him and said, he's crazy. We're not listening to him. He's got a demon. And then Jesus said, and the son of man talking about himself came eating and drinking. And he said, look, he's a glutton and a drunkard. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Well, basically, that's what Jesus did. John the Baptist was kind of off by himself in the wilderness area, and he wasn't eating and drinking with people. But Jesus was among the people. And someone invited him to their home, and he would go, and he would have dinner with them, whether they were Pharisees or whether they were tax collectors. He would eat and drink with them, and they called him names. So in other words, you guys are contrary. Nothing pleases you. You guys are hypercritical. You criticize everything. And you guys are hyper offended. In other words, you guys got trashy attitudes. An attitude that says, we want everybody to dance to our tune. And even when you do dance to our tune, we're going to criticize you for that. Because we just like to complain. So among the crowds that day that Jesus was talking to, would have been some Pharisees because the Pharisees were always watching Jesus. They were always offended. They were always critical. They were always contrary. They were always trying to catch Jesus at something. And their deal was that they were always trying to earn God's favor by keeping perfectly every single law. And it wasn't just that they wanted to keep the Ten Commandments, right? They thought that they were the only ones who could perfectly observe all of the law and all of the prophets and all of the commentary that they had written on the law. They thought they were doing it better than everybody else and looked down on everybody else. And everybody says, ooh, Pharisees, those old Pharisees. But if we're truthful, I bet there's a Pharisee that sometimes looks back at us when we look in the mirror. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes we're that way. Sometimes, even though we are Wesleyan Christians in our theology, and even though our theology begins and ends with grace, we sometimes act like, we sometimes act like we have to earn God's favor, and we're doing it better than anybody else. We act like, I don't know, we act like scouts that we're trying to earn a merit badge. But grace is the beginning and the middle and the end of our theology. And we don't have to climb the ladder to heaven rung by rung and look down on other people below us and up at other people above us. I don't know. I don't know what Jesus would say when we act like that. Maybe he would say, why don't you let that stuff go? Why don't you stop carrying that load? I don't know what Jesus would say to me on the days when I'm carrying around the burden, and I do mean burden of a trashy attitude. I don't know what Jesus would say when I get super offended and hypercritical and just contrary and impossible to please. Maybe Jesus might say to me, come, come to me. Aren't you weary? Aren't you exhausted? 
from lugging around the burden of being offended and critical and contrary and impossible to please, isn't that load wearing you down? Come, you're free to let it go. Come to me, Jesus said, all you who, weary, who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. I don't know what heavy burden you're carrying today. Maybe your burden is not a trashy attitude. Maybe it's grief, or maybe it's anger, or maybe it's unforgiveness, or maybe it's some sin that is locked around you like, like chains. You can let it go. You can let go of your hate. You can let go of the feeling that you have to be everybody's judge. And then for all of us Pharisees out there, Jesus would say, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You know, the rabbis used to talk about a yoke and a burden in, re in reference to, to God's laws. And it's, it's really what you, you carry, God's laws. And the Pharisees had written down detailed commentary to the point that it wasn't just Ten Commandments anymore. It was 613 commandments. And Jesus said, look, take my yoke upon you. You can't, no one can remember 613 commandments. So look, how about just two? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You were never meant to carry that heavy stuff around. You weren't meant to carry that burden. Take my yoke upon you. Pull with me. Pull with my team. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You're free. To let all of that other stuff go. Free. Free because Christ has set us free.
close this service, I just want to remind you once more to join us this evening from 5 to 7 for drive-through communion. Uh, bring a friend with you. Go by and pick up somebody who's been lonely and not able to really get out and bring them with you. And remember the Lord's Supper together with us today at the portico from 5 to 7. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you.